Hello and welcome to the Courageous Influence Talk Show. You are here with Alex Cutterford and I'm joined by my mate and pastor, Caleb Dwyer. Howdy, howdy, howdy ho. How are you, mate? <laughs> oh, I'm doing all right. It's been a rough morning. Yep. Bit of a rough start, but we're doing all right. Yeah, I feel like we're sort of straight into our fails segment of the show. <laughs> straight into fails got, today. We've got so many to get through that mm-hmm. it's just um, banking up. It's a litany of failures. Yeah. Uh, what happened this morning? Uh, well, where do I start? The The first thing I noticed that the wheels were coming off was when I went out to start the car, and uh, I've got an old ute, and sometimes when I take my keys out of the ignition, I just bump the light switch. Yeah, and so yeah. I haven't even had the lights on, but I turned them on. And I yeah. usually notice, didn't notice yesterday, came out to a flat battery. Mm, I think I've done that to your ute before as well. Yeah, it's really, really inconvenient. <laughs> and it always happens at the worst. Like, you know, most mornings I am down here early yeah. um, because we um, run a cafe, but it doesn't matter if I'm not the cafe manager's here. I just don't like her being here on her own in those early starts. But yeah. um, this morning I actually have something to be at. And flat battery. Well, it's all right. I was here for Caitlin to make sure everything. Thanks, was mate. Up, appreciate so it. You're a good man. You know, someone's got to do it. Um, yeah. So obviously, yeah, it's uh, been a bit of a bumpy week for you, but I'm sure things are about to pick up. I hope so, because then I got here and realised I left my halfway here. I realised I left my notebook that I do some prep for this on at home. Yeah. Not helpful. Then I get here and I'm about to start a new uh, drive that we can put all our content on. Oh, I guess we left the laptop at home. Separate incidents. Yeah. Just one, one thing after yeah. another. So I kind of feel like you've covered all the fails. Though. I just don't think... Haven't had breakfast yet? No. Having a good coffee it. from Cafe on Corporation. Oh, yeah. That, that'll do for breakfast that's today. That's where it's at. Definitely. That's all I have for breakfast. Any... Actually, have you I've failed started having smoothies. Have you? Mm. Every morning? Yeah. Good. Not for the um, grocery yeah. price, but it's uh, good for the body. I'm not a mass, especially on an empty stomach. Like a smoothie first thing in the morning, that's just too rich for me. It's mm. I'm going to be on the toilet half. Well, an hour I've later. normally been up. I get up at about five thirty, so I've normally been up for three or so hours before I have it. So. Right, that's yeah. like, it's like a midday smoothie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm up for them. Yeah, I'm off whenever I'm off to have lunch. Everyone at work's having their breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so one of the questions that I did have for you mm-hmm. this week, mate, was what about the next six months are you most looking forward to? Yeah, well, there's a few things. Um, in terms of the shutdown and the opportunities it's created for us, the biggest project I'm excited about is this one. Yeah. There's some really, you, as you know, um, and our loyal fans mm. um, may have picked up on, there's some great things in the pipeline. So some cool announcements coming out in the next couple of weeks about how we're expanding this show, some cool guests we're looking at having in. Um, and I think what I love about this is I enjoy Christianity where theology and real life meet. Yeah, And I think this uh, format enables us to unpack that a little bit more than a Sunday sermon necessarily does. Yeah, um, and, and I love preaching, but it's a monologue, isn't it? Mm. And, and preaching is very important. I'm not, you know, there's, it's one of those things, uh, everyone's excited at the moment because it's new. But I think in three months' time, if we're still in this situation, people will be not as excited about all the newness. Yeah. But one of the things I'm hearing is, oh, the church is going to look so radically different. I'm like, okay, some elements are going to look different, but actually the proclamation of the Word of God is vital. Mm. So I'm all for that, but I think this format offers something different. It's something you and I and uh, the producer have talked about for a Mm. long time, Mm. and we've finally got time 
to put into it. So yeah, this is probably the thing I'm most excited about. Yeah, I think because for me, one of the big reasons that I wanted to be doing this with you was because I do feel I learned just as much, if not more, from the conversations that we have as you know a sermon on a Sunday. And maybe that's because every sermon you've done, we've normally had like three conversations <laughs> yeah, about yeah. that topic beforehand. So right. maybe that's where I'm like, oh, I already like yeah. knew this. Move on, Caleb. What are you talking about? <laughs> 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 oh, give me something new, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you done like a 10 series on this already? <laughs> <laughs> so we're done like, yeah, he's just fleshed it all out in his mind with me first. So yeah, uh, yeah but I definitely... I think learn really well in that conversational setting. So that's why I'm really passionate about this. So I'm definitely looking forward to where this project can go and uh, all that's ahead of it. And for what it looks like for the church, you know, abroad, um, yeah, what can be built into the church that Mm. maybe wouldn't have been prioritized otherwise that will then be able to remain and stay a part of it. Um, And yeah, and hopefully it's an opportunity to add in some good stuff get rid of some stuff that we had just been doing because right. hopefully there's some sacred cows that don't come back. Yeah. And um, and because it, it is interesting when, yeah, because there are certain people that are going to be like, I just can't wait things to get back to normal. Yeah. And it's sort of, this is our opportunity. Let's not waste it to actually, there's some stuff that just doesn't have to come back. So if there's things that we had been before wishing could just it's like why are we even doing this but it's just what we've always done and it's got momentum so this continues that now that it doesn't have that momentum element um you can sort of start afresh and press restart yep that's right and i think it's also just resetting ourselves in our spirit like for me it's less important about the stuff as maybe it's more important that we just sharpen our focus and the areas that we're investing the majority of our time. Mm. And that, of course, will influence the stuff. Right? But if we're just moving the chairs around on the you know, the deck of the Titanic, what's the point? Yeah. But if we're actually fundamentally going, wow, we've been putting a lot of effort into here. And actually, when you look at the, the week as a whole and the amount of people we're able to influence, that's too much effort into a short amount of time that's only... And so I think it's that opportunity to ask some deeper questions that will then influence what we do rather than just keeping the conversation shallow about, oh, now we're going to do this and now we're going to do that. Yeah. It needs to go deeper than that. Yeah. And I think that hopefully um, as leaders, they're the things that we're reflecting on in this time mm. and, and watching, you know, where are we actually being able to reach more people? Where are we seeing this increased growth in people? I, one of the things I am excited about it and uh, we've been encouraging people to be following a Bible reading plan. And um, the idea of, um, you know, we'll see personal growth through joint devotion. Yeah. And maybe that's a great thing that's going to come out of this, really shifting the onus back and encouraging people, that you're taking some personal responsibility, doing it as a journey, doing it together, mm. but um, taking that, time to read and study and dig into things yourself yeah absolutely. that's a cool shift so there's some of the where, where's growth happening where are people deepening their faith where are we reaching people we haven't been able to reach before and and where's our focus and our effort have to shift and those things should inform what we bring back and what we don't bring back mm. yeah no it's definitely an exciting time uh, obviously there's still some real dangers and struggles for people but as we sort of settle into our restrictions and and are keeping ourselves safe i think there's definitely some great opportunity within that not just um feeling 
sad about being isolated. Right. So, yeah, so that's, yeah, there's, I think there's a lot to come out of this that will be positive in the long run. Um, do you have a courageous leadership tip for us this week? Yes, never trust anyone who's offended by everything and embarrassed by nothing. Mm. I was I was having to think about that one when you put it out this week. And uh, yeah, I was keen for you to sort of expand on it. Sure. I, I think the we live in a culture of offence at the moment. And I'm not someone who pontificates against social media. Clearly, I use it. I enjoy it. Uh, I think that with any... Um, you know, massive social change, there's been both positive and negative aspects of it. And one of the negative aspects of it is that it is condensed debate. You know, we, we don't have time on social media to talk about the nuance. Um, you also have that sense of anim- anonymity where yeah. people are willing to just say things that they wouldn't say to your face. They'd actually be much more polite and hear your viewpoint. Mm. But it's so easy just to tear someone down. Excuse me. And so uh, living in this environment where it's almost like the most... Of, it's um, I heard someone say the other day, offence has become a virtue. It's like it's one of the ways I signal that I'm so virtuous because I'm so royally offended by that. Mm. Therefore, I must just be so far above it. Mm. And in that culture, we've just created this thing where some people are just offended by everything. And mm. I just think we need to settle down. Even, mm. even things that I fundamentally disagree with, I don't need to be offended by it. And I certainly don't need to be hostile towards the person that holds that view. Mm. Um, and so I just, I have a mistrust of anyone who's constantly banging on about what they're offended by. Yeah. But then, and with that flip side of embarrassed by nothing, you meaning that in the sense of, but then there's, they never see anything in themselves that exactly. could offend someone else. Right. And or so that should rightfully offend someone else. Exactly. And that's really, it's a play on this idea of offense is what I'm, I'm being offended to everything that's happening out here, where embarrassment's a bit of an internal emotion. Now, uh, pick the word embarrassment rather than guilt or shame. Like shame can become a very negative, and it's a sh- social um, emotion. But I think that we should be self-reflecting. Like instead of pointing the finger, it's a, it's a little bit of a play on that whole idea of you know take the speck out of your own eye. Uh, sorry, the log out of your own eye before you try and take the speck out of others. You're yeah. so offended that everything's happening out here. But you don't stop for a minute to look at your own behaviour and, mm. and be a bit embarrassed about some of that, yeah. like the language that you're using, the fact that you're beating people up. You know, like we pile on and we pile on kids. Mm. Um, you know, some of it's horrific. I just it does my head in. I'm like, wow, how have how as a community have we got to the point where it, you think it's virtuous to pile on that young person who said something stupid on social media? But my goodness, if everything I said as a 14, 15, 16-year-old was recorded on social media, I possibly wouldn't be allowed to be a pastor today. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. And this cancel culture, like cancel them because they say something dumb once. Like, come on. Mm. Um, I, I, it has to change, and here's why. I think we get to a point where we're living, because of social media, our private and our public lives have merged massively. And that's, in one sense, that can be a good thing, like, we don't want to be hiding skeletons in our private life. We don't want to be living one way in private and a different way in public. So, yeah. again, there's some good aspects to this. But you're developing ideas. I mean, this is a risky format. We're chatting. It's mm. not all scripted. Yeah. I, even when, Especially when we come to doing a little devotional thing, I'm very confident that I'm going to use the wrong words. I'm going to use theological terms out of place. Uh, I'm going to have undeveloped thoughts. But so what? 
that's part of what this format allows for. Um, we want to demonstrate that we're growing and developing even in our doctrine and theology, right? Yeah. And But if you do that publicly and then you get something wrong mm. or, you know, you, you say something that's a little bit misinformed um, or maybe you just hold a viewpoint that currently is socially unacceptable, but then we're going to cancel you across the board? Yeah. I just think we have to get to a point that we develop beyond that mm. or we're going to end up with just a really shallow, um, it almost becomes like a form of censor that only people who fit into exactly this little square and have exactly these ideas do we allow public forum. Everyone yeah. else is out. Yeah. And I think that becomes really dangerous. Yeah, yeah. And it pushes down the more mellow voices and allows to photo just the ones that it are just don't care about what anyone thinks about what they say. And yeah, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot in that in our culture currently for us to think through. Uh, the leadership tip I was thinking through, and it relates to the show that we're doing today. Yes. Uh, if you want to build something bigger than yourself, you can't build it by yourself. Nice. Um, and the reality is, is that if we wanted this, this show to, you know, keep developing and have further reach and grow in its quality and stuff like that, it's going to grow beyond my skill sets. And it's already already very quickly growing beyond it. Hence why you can see these new mics uh, set up. We've got it all nicely laid yeah. out thanks to the producer. The producer's in the house. He's in the house. Are and you nervous? And he's making us better. <laughs> I feel no. like the principal's in the house. No, like, <laughs> I, I was wondering whether it would feel weird having a third person in the room with our convos. But no, I'm loving it. Cool. It's been good. Um, but yeah, very... like for, And for me, you know, this is a bit of a brainchild and of mine and and uh it's why i can be slow to act on things is because it means letting go of control mm. um but and what i was thinking is um if you don't like being out of control you might not like being out of control but it's part and parcel of doing something that's significant and that other people actually care about um because if you didn't have anyone that were wanting to, you know, offer advice on, oh, this is how you could do it better and people saying, oh, this could be better and that could be better. If you didn't have people saying that, that's probably because they don't care about it. Right. No one gives a So right. if you want to do something that people care yeah. about, you're going to have people that come along that, you know, maybe you would do it differently, mm -hmm. that want to offer advice. And then mm -hmm. if you're going to actually take that, it means letting go of some of the control that you have of it and what it could look like and... Uh, and you just sort of got to trust that that's going to look better and working out what bits do you hold on to, what bits do you let go of and when. Uh, so that's sort of what I've been thinking through this week is, you know, because then I, I've uh, set you off, your your creativity's running at a mile a, mile a minute and uh, all the places that we can take it. And that can either be an intimidating thing that you like and you don't let anyone in or you open it up, you let go of control so that it can just um, go beyond yourself. And so, yeah, yeah cool. that's just something that if you're ever wanting to build something bigger than yourself, you can't build it by yourself. It's a great thought. Have you ever noticed that uh, we all want to collaborate until it's an idea that we had? But we want to collaborate on everyone else's ideas. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. when it's your idea, you're like, hang on. Oh. oh, I thought collaboration meant I got to tell everyone how to implement my idea. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, collaborate on my thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Collaboration goes yeah. deeper than that. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh, hang on. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a funny little thing of pride. Um, and that will actually come up 
pride is going to come up in my conversations about our reading of Mark. Ooh. Maybe I'll start. Yeah, go. Um, and it was in Mark when, so looking at the story of um, Jesus going to his hometown. Mm. Um, and so it talks about the prophet has no honor in his hometown. And so he's gone and he's preaching where he had grown up. And all of these people are looking at him going, isn't this the carpenter? Right. His sisters are here. Yes. Like, who's this guy? And they saw the miracles that he did, but they rejected him. Mm. Um, and it was purely out of this element of, like, who does this guy think he is? Like, we know you. You're not better than us. Yes. Like, and, so, and they've shut it down. Uh, and it talks about him being able to do less miracles in that place because of that resistance and lack of faith that people had. And one of the, there's a number of stuff going on there, but one is that pride blinds us to what's happening in front of us. Mm -hmm. The pride that rose up in them stopped them from being able to really see what Jesus was on about and doing. Um, But it also, there was a bit of a contrast there between, so a couple, like sort of back in the chapter, Jesus heals um, or cuss out a legion of demons from this guy that had been tormented his whole life. He was completely on the outskirts um, of society and living out in a in a rocky cave sort of thing. And he, so he comes to Jesus. Jesus has cast out these demons from him and he's just filled with absolute gratitude to Jesus. And he's, and he's saying to Jesus, I want to come follow you. I want to be with you. And he says, no, I want you to go back to your town. And so he's sent him back to his hometown and what he's act- he's actually become an evangelist to 10 cities right. that, that are around that yeah. area. Yes. Um, and it was interesting. He's gone back and he's had a massive influence on his community because of what had happened. But then Jesus goes to his hometown and is rejected yeah, well. because of what he's doing. And it was making me realize uh, people when they feel like you've now risen above them, you're now attacking the insecurities that are within them. Whereas for this guy, he's come from the bottom of the barrel and now they can say, oh, whoa, this guy's normal. (laughs) And so they've they've embraced it and were blown away by it. And there's there's a lot going on more so than this this one principle, but this was just what was standing out to me, this idea of it wasn't necessarily pulling on the insecurities of people. Mm -hmm. Whereas Jesus, going back... They've seen him growing up as a kid. Now, all of a sudden, he's rocking up and they're thinking, oh, this guy's way beyond us. Now, it's hitting their insecurities. Let's shut it down because it's making me insecure. And um, what it really had me thinking was, let me find it here. Um, Watch out for relationships that in order for them to survive, you must remain below them. Yeah, well. Um, well, watch out for a relationship where they're happy for you to be around until they notice that, oh, actually, he's starting to grow a little bit. Yep. Let's crush it. Yep. And uh, it, it really had me thinking about that, that idea um, of it's so those true, relationships. Yeah. And even, even with good things, if we're not careful, you know, you talked earlier about if, if we want to collaborate, if we want something to get bigger than just ourselves, we have to watch our pride there. Um, I think that that's definitely something you face even even in ministry. Mm. You know, when you're building people up and we're happy to do that whilst they're helping 
in the ministry area that you know. So let me let me speak from my context as having lead, done lead pastoring for a long time now, and so long as they're feeding into the local church and helping, you know, that thing that you, the organisation that you've been called to leave and the the representation of the body of Christ that you're leading, great. Um, but what about when someone who you've spent a lot of time investing in and building up is then called to something that's above and beyond that and you've got to release mm. them and be happy for that? And I think that's where the rubber hits the road on some mm. of these things. Mm. Um, and, and you know, something that I'm really passionate about is helping leaders and pastors get healthy. Um, one of the things I want to achieve in my role as our executive pastor at Generosity Church is that we'd have the healthiest, happiest pastors in Australia. Mm because healthy, happy pastors are going to build healthy, happy churches. And I realise in that, though, there is that tension within yourself going, wow, that's a bit of a background job. Mm. But no one's going to... The general congregation members aren't going to see 90% of what I'm doing in that space, but what they are going to see is healthy, happy pastors. Mm. And those healthy, happy pastors' influence is going to rise while my role remains unseen. Mm. And I have had to wrestle with that. And thankfully, I've had a couple of really great guys in my world who have done similar things. Mm. And from very early on in the piece, have been coaching me through that because, you know, you've got to deal with your pride on it. Mm. And some, and this is one of the, the thoughts that I had that came out of uh, what I was looking at there, is that not every story is meant to be told. Hmm. Because wow. that guy wants to follow Jesus. He goes back, we here... Yeah. Two verses about his mm. ministry. He went back and he evangelized to a bunch of cities. Whereas if he had followed Jesus and become a part of that narrative, you know, he might have been a, someone that's remembered as a Paul or a thing. And he's probably had just as much influence, but his story Isn't is very told. much in the background. He's, he's just known as the guy that got healed and, right. and off he went. Um, and so this had me thinking, not every story is meant to be told. And that means that that's not the qualifier of influence. That's not the qualifier of whether you've um, stepped into and fulfilled your calling. It isn't qualified by whether the story's told and known by, you know, lots of people. Do you have any further thoughts on that, Caleb? Yeah, well, just a, a comment. It's so true what you say. Like, his ability to fulfill what God had for him is not measured by the... Um, amount that story is told. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there are times when the church does not exist in a vacuum, right? So there are times when in history the church has affected culture and there is always this interplay where the culture we live in is also influencing the church or influencing the expression of the church. And I don't think that we should be embarrassed by that. I think we need to be aware of it, though, and be cautious around it and ask ourselves some deep questions mm. um and i mean it's a whole a whole another topic for another time but i get really frustrated where you even hear church leaders now it's almost like a rewrite of history because secular society at the moment wants to write the church's good influence out of history and only point to the mistakes the church has made and yet the church has been at the very forefront of some of the best cultural shifts the world has ever seen mm. and that is a fact and a, and a brilliant fact that we need our young people to be aware of because we shouldn't be embarrassed about the church mm. There's elements of what we've done. We should be. Right? And the, the flip side is true as well. We shouldn't deny the fact that the culture we're in influences the outworking or the expression of the church. Of course it does. Mm. But we need to be cautious around it. And we live in a time, especially in the West, although not only, where you know the, 
the Greeks had their gods, the Romans had their emperors, and we have our celebrities. Yeah. I mean, you've just got to look at, is it just me or these celebrities that are now telling us how to deal with COVID-19? And you're like, hang on, mate. You're famous simply because you're good at pretending to be someone else. And now you, the real you, wants to tell us how to respond to a pandemic? Like, get back in your box. Let the medical advice speak for a minute. Yeah. It just doesn't. I don't get the celebrity. Right. But it does influence the church a bit at times. And uh, we want to honor men and women that have an incredible gift to the global body. And, of course, that means that they get a high profile. Yeah. But honoring them and appreciating the profile they have, we have to try and distinguish that from just loving them because they're another celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. And and one of the ways I think we do that is realizing in our own lives, like, you know, uh, especially we, we live and work and, and minister in regional and rural Australia. Unlikely we're ever going to become a celebrity. Right? And if if you look at and make your goal, oh, when I get that many Twitter followers, then I'm being, and it's because I want a big influence for the kingdom of God. And the only way I can have a big influence is to have that many. Well, hang on a second. Mm. What's God actually called you to? Don't worry about making the, the celebrity level your goal, yeah. the, the amount that you're known. Just get on with what God's called you to do. And mm. if you happen to end up being raised up to have a wider profile, great if that's something God's got for you. But that can never, size of church, size of following, mm. size of influence, that should never become our measure. Because I think when we do that, we're starting to drift into just being part of our society where cult of celebrity is actually what's driving us rather than call. Mm. And so I think that's a really interesting battle. And it's something that people who are young in ministry need to sort out quickly or they can waste years thinking they're chasing influence for the kingdom. But really at the core of it, am Mm. I chasing influence for the kingdom or am I chasing celebrity? And has the influence of the kingdom God's called me to required me to go back to the Decapolis yeah. and share what Jesus has done for me, yeah. even though I'm getting written out of the book, yeah. but I'm not getting written out of history? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're not doing it. You're going out. You're going back to have more influence that you would have had. It's mm. just that your story's not getting told. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, definitely one to be grappled with, and again, comes back to that root of pride of. Um, there's just a deep desire in us, and and especially for us, if we've grown up in this culture with that you know, sort of cult of cult, um, celebrity sort of focus, uh, it just becomes a very natural way of the way you're perceiving the world, you know. And for people, you know, my age and and the producer's age, uh, you know, that's just that's just the world we've grown up in and have born in. It's very much a part of the framework of how you think. So you mm. very naturally have. Uh, very much have to work against uh, almost natural tendency to think that's what success is, right? Um, and to recognise that is a byproduct of something that you're doing um, potentially, potentially, um, yeah, um, yeah, and not letting yeah that focus get in the way of actually being effective with the one person in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and Jesus himself teaches that principle of he left the 99 to go to the one. Right. Um, so that, yeah, that's very much a biblical um, mm. uh, narrative, I guess. Yeah. Uh, did you have any other thoughts on... Yeah, look, I, uh, it was funny. It was such a, as we said, Mark moves at such a pace. I feel like so much has happened in the last week. Yeah, there's lots of stuff that I would have loved to have gotten <laughs> oh, to today. We could um, podcast the whole, I don't know, the whole day just on what we've mm. read this week. 
Um, but I actually eventually narrowed it down to the same story and just looking at the questions, mm. the two derogatory questions that were asked of Jesus. Yeah. And they said, isn't this the carpenter's... Um, they knew he was not working as a carpenter. Yeah. And I think if we're not careful, we read that with Western eyes and go, oh, Jesus was a carpenter who did a bit of preaching on the side. No, Jesus was very much understood and lived as a rabbi. He had disciples that followed him. He taught in the synagogue. He was a rabbi. They were asking that question to put him back in his box. Mm. Um, but that was his family's trade. And how much of that Jesus did and, and how much he didn't do, we actually don't know. Mm. Um we love chippies, by the way. We do love chippies. I, wouldn't, I, I won't disagree with the uh, producer. <laughs> then the next question is really interesting. It, it, haven't we got his sisters and mother here with us? Isn't he the son of Mary? And in the Jewish culture, you weren't the son of Mary. You are the son of Joseph. Um, and so some have said, oh, well, they've just said that because his father's dead. But that didn't make a difference even if Joseph has passed, and there's strong evidence that Joseph have probably passed by this point, you'd still point to that. Um, most scholars who especially have dug into the Jewish context will say that that was a very intentional dig to point yeah. to the uh, accused illegitimacy of Jesus. Mm. And so there's another dig there to undermine him as a teacher. That's mm. what's going on in here. You, no, no, mm. he's he's just a carpenter, not a rabbi. No, no, he shouldn't even be a rabbi because he's illegitimate. So there's, and, and here's the interesting thing, there's elements of truth in both of those questions, but it's not the truth mm. and it's not his identity. And so I looked at that and went, wow, so often the things that undermine my confidence the most are when the devil has a crack or uses someone to have a crack at something that has an element of truth. They point out something you were, not who you are today. Mm. Now, um, you know, the analogy falls down a little bit here with Christ because he wasn't a sinner, all right? But pointing out your past mistakes, pointing out your faults and failures or your weaknesses, and there's an element of truth in that, but it's not the truth of who we are in God. Yeah. And they can be the things that undermine our confidence the quickest and the most. And yet, so Jesus didn't let these derogatory questions undermine his confidence. And so I just began to unpack that a little bit and think, well, what what does bring confidence? Mm-hmm. What did Jesus do? And clearly Jesus knew his identity. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to work on that. We've got to know our identity mm-hmm. in God. And um, the other thing that I think Jesus did, and I wrote this down, is that confidence comes from following God's will. Mm. When I know that I know that I'm in the will of God, I can be confident in that. When I know that I know who I am in God, I can be confident in that. Mm. And when we're living in those things, as the derogatory questions come, and they will, we're able to rise above them. Mm. And uh, I thought that was a beautiful picture here of what, some of what was going on in this story as well. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot there that we could be unpacking that, you know, we can, we'll just continue on the journey. Uh, we'll leave it there for today, but it's been some awesome chats. It's been fun. Learning a lot. Um, and even some of the insights that you have given us uh, in previous chats that we've had have been helping me with the context of Mark and just understanding the way that does bounce around a bit and stuff like that. So it's definitely... Um, an awesome journey that we're on and one that we'll continue on. So thanks everyone for tuning in to this today, whether you're watching online or whether you're listening to the podcast, we are super happy to have you with us. So make sure if you're listening on Spotify to subscribe or if you're watching online, comment, share, um, you know, like this video and let's just keep the conversation going. So 
for now, we'll see you around. All right. Bye.